Last words matter, doesn't it? I mean, don't last words matter when you're saying something to someone or, or even a loved one? Those last words are so important. And today as we continue in our series, The God of Change, we're going to learn that last words matter. And when I saw this video, I thought, you know, I wonder, I wonder what the last words of Jesus were. Because his last words, whatever they were, they matter. They mean something. I mean, when you watch a movie, if, if, if the guy is dying and he, he knows where the treasure is and, he'll, and he's on his last breath, you might want to know where the treasure is. And if you're asking him and he says, the treasure is right around, and he dies, you're like, where is it? It's like those last few words matter. Now, when Jesus went to the cross, he said some words. He said, it is finished. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Those last words matter. And those last words are memorable. Because when someone says something of significance, even their last words, they matter. In fact, the Bible tells us that God never changes that we may go through changes, and although God's methods in reaching us and how he relates to us, that may change through the years, we, we are the ones that change according to his ways, not him changing because of us. He says, I remain the same, and although my methods may vary, I never change. If you have your bulletin, you can take out your notes. We're going to read this first scripture together, and if this is your first time here at New Hope Hilo Hawaii, we have the notes in your bulletin so that you can follow along. It's also good for us to write notes. You know, some of us forget quickly. We do have our uh, Bible, our, uh, our app, our church app that have the videos on it. And so you can watch it later. But when you take notes, it's like you can retain things better. But we're going to read this scripture together. And it's the book of Psalm, chapter 102 verses 25 through 27, and the Bible tells us like this. Let's read it together. Ready? Go. Long ago, you laid the foundation of the earth and made the heavens with your hands. They will perish, but you remain forever. They will wear out like old clothing. You will change them like a garment and discard them, but you are always the same. You will live forever. And then let's read this next scripture. It's our four square, our denomination. It's like our, our, our main scripture. Hebrews 13, verses, uh, 13, verse 8. Let's read it together. Ready? Go. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. See, he never changes. That's why we put that scripture up here so that we can always remember that he never changes. And I'm so glad that he doesn't change. I'm so glad that he changes us because how many of us, we need changing or we know people who do need changing. And sometimes we try to change people, but we can't do that. But God can because he's the God of change. He's not the God that changes. He's the God that can bring change. And so today we want to look at how do, how do last words matter in our lives? And, and, and maybe there are some things that we can learn when when we understand that last words matter. And maybe not even the last words we speak. Maybe it's last words that other people have spoken to us. Because last words can bring healing. Last words can also bring encouragement. Last words can make an impact depending on what words are being spoken. And Jesus brought powerful words so that we can understand that we have significance, that we're valuable to him. It's like movies. 
You can't, you can't watch a movie and then toward the ending when the last words matter, you just cut it off. Or a commercial, you just watch it almost to the end and then you don't watch the ending. Those last words are so significant that it matters most. And when Jesus speaks words to us, they matter. These are the words that Jesus spoke actually before he ascended into heaven. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, and these are, these are some of the last words of Jesus. In fact, the last words before he ascended. Matthew chapter 28, in your notes, it says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, and he's speaking to his disciples, he said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Then he says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am always with you even until the end of the age. And then he says, amen, which means so be it. What Jesus was saying is, these words that I'm speaking to you, they matter. Take it to heart. Run with it. Don't ever forget these words. Because these words that I'm speaking, they matter. And every single person has the potential to bring out the best in someone else, to bring out the, the, the potential that someone is living with that is dormant in their life. Every single person has that ability to bring out the best in others as well as find healing by understanding that words matter. Here's the first thing that we can learn. And if you're writing notes, you can write this in. Last words communicate hope or despair because they do. It has the potential to communicate hope or despair. That's how powerful our words are. That's how much they matter. It communicates hope or despair. One of the most famous speeches of all time was given by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. I can even give you the first few words and you'll finish the rest. I have a dream. See, that speech changed the very fabric of our nation, the, the whole landscape of our nation when it came to civil rights. Because there was a man whose words were significant, and he said those words, and it brought hope. Sometimes words can bring despair. And some of us lived in a household where words were given and spoken, and it brought despair. It didn't bring hope, but it brought hopelessness and sadness. That's how important last words are. The, the past month, we've seen 21 Egyptian Christians martyred because of their belief. But their last words, there are different reports on what their last words were. And, and for some of them, they were praying. For some of them, they said, Lord Jesus, help. Those were their last words. For some of them, they were praising God. See, the last words that you speak matter. And when these 21 were martyred for their faith, those who beheaded them were hoping that it would cause fear in people. But because of their last words it actually sparked encouragement to the Christian faith or those who believe in Jesus Christ. It actually encouraged them. Why? Because of their last and final words. Final words matter. Last words matter. It communicates, it, can, it has the potential to communicate hope. And that's what we want to do. We want to communicate hope, not despair, because words are attached to our emotions. And it has the ability to bring out the best emotions or the worst emotions. I mean, there are just certain key words that we can say to one another that either will make us happy or sad, or it'll make us joyful or mad. I mean, there's just certain words that you'll say and, and certain key phrases, like in your marriage. You can say certain things and, and it'll be okay in, in you know, other 
areas at work or things like that. You can go to work and say, hey, uh, did someone leave this here? And someone will say, oh, yeah, that's mine. I'll clean it up. Okay, no problem. But you say that to your spouse, that can be fighting words because uh, maybe there's conflict right now. But words matter. The things that we say matter. For instance, when I say this, you can find hope in Jesus. For those of us who know Jesus or are finding him or are looking for that hope, it kind of changes our emotions. Or when we say God loves you, it changes our emotions. It does something to us. It breathes life into a lifeless situation. John, excuse me, the book of Luke chapter 23, verses 42 and 43. One of the people that uh, died next to Jesus, were, actually two people on either side of Jesus were thieves. And because they were hanging there on the cross uh, next to Jesus, they were on their cross and Jesus was dying. While that was taking place, these two thieves are kind of mocking Jesus. But then one of the thieves, they say to the other thief, why are you even saying that? I mean, we, we are criminals. We're dying because we did something wrong. This man is innocent. He did nothing wrong, and yet he's dying. They, they, they're killing him. And so one of the thieves, they say this. They said this to Jesus. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And here are the words of Jesus. These are some of his last words. And this is what this thief heard, one of the last words that he heard. Jesus replied to him, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, this is on his, this is on his dying breath. And this thief is dying. This is his, it's like his deathbed. And there's no more hope left. He's being executed because of his criminal acts. And he's dying. But the last words that Jesus speaks to him is, Today, I assure you, you will be with me in paradise. I mean, that just brings hope to a hopeless situation. And that's what Jesus wants to speak to anyone who has a hopeless situation right now. That there is hope. There is a, 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 a destiny for you. There, is, there are promises that God has for you and I. There is hope. Even when all seems hopeless, Jesus speaks into a hopeless situation. And he says, there is hope. I can bring hope to you. Those last words that we hear or say can bring hope or despair. When Heidi and I first met, I was 12 years old and she was 13. So we were like these little, you know, just teenagers. So uh, I went to Heidi's school to a, a, a dance and, and I was actually attending a, another school. And so we were invited to her school and, and so we were at this dance. That's where I met her. And, you know, that night I was just swept off of my feet because of Heidi and almost literally swept off my feet because she was going to beat me up. It's another story, but that's actually how we met. She was going to punch me. And I was like, wow, love at first fight. That was awesome. And so when I was leaving, I thought she liked my friend, so she said bye to us. And my friend said bye, and I was kind of like, oh, man, I, I have no hope for this girl. And she goes, no, 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 I'm, I'm saying bye to Sheldon. Bye, Sheldon. And I was like, me? Wow. So I was waving to her. I'm 12 years old, you know. It's like, wow, this lady likes me. And she's taller than me. She's 13, an older woman. So I'm, I'm seeing her from a distance, and she tells me bye. And so I leave there, and I'm like, 
I'm, I'm just dreaming of this girl, and I'm thinking, wow, you know, where is she from? I, I, I just met her, and, and so I'm floating, and, and every day I look for her at my school. She didn't even attend my school. I'm trying to find her. I have no idea who this mystery woman is, and so I'm trying to look for her and look for her. Finally, one day, I see her friend that I met that night, too, walking down my street, and I'm thinking, wait a minute, that's the girl that I met with Heidi the other week. And so she walks towards my house, and I'm like, okay, why is she coming here? And she drops off a note from Heidi. Back in the day, I never had text. So that was, it took like five days to get a text message. It was literally text. It was handwritten text. And so she gave me the note, and it was folded, and it said, to Sheldon. And I'm like, oh, well. And so I opened it up, and I have no idea what she wrote. She just wrote a lot of things, and I'm looking at her handwriting. I'm like, she touched this paper. And so I'm reading it, and so her friend leaves, and I read it, read it. I, I don't remember anything of that note. I just remember her last words, and it said this, so please call me. I'm like, what? And she put her phone number there, 808. Well, that's the area code, 262-6858. I still remember it because those were the last words. Now, you can try call it. I don't know where you're going to go with that. But I remember reading that. And she said, call me. Did I call her? No. Because I was afraid to. I was thinking, what if I call her? And what if her friend wrote this? I was going through all kinds of things. But it gave me such hope. Not until my friend told me, because he switched schools and he went to Heidi's school. And he said, you know, Heidi wrote you a note. She said to call her. Why aren't you calling her? I said, are you serious? She said for me to call her? He says, yeah. It sparked hope once again. And so I called her, and then you know, now 30 years later, we're married. It's because of that hope. Now, what if, what if her friend gave me a note? Same note, but the ending words were different. What if the ending words said something like, I'm so sorry, it's not going to work out. I'm so sorry, you're just not my type. I'm so sorry, you didn't have me at hello. What if, what if those last words were something like that? I mean, oh, it would be so, such hopelessness and, and despair. I probably would have went into depression at age 12. <laughs> I don't want to watch cartoons anymore. No more cereal. No more Captain Crunch. Just give me plain cornflakes. I, I don't want sugar on it. I just want to be bland. Life is black. Just no color anymore. I'm, just gonna, I'm not going to go out of my house. I'm not going to ride bike anymore. I mean, what if at age 12 I just said, I'm done. Forget the Manapur man. I don't want to, I'm just going to stay here in my own house. Then what if I just live with that kind of despair? Because the truth is, many of us do. Words that are spoken to us, we just live with despair. Because the words that were said. And we remember those last words. The words that cause hurt. The words that cause pain. And Jesus says, I came to bring you life. I came to speak hope to you. I don't want to bring despair to your life. I want to bring hope. See, last words matter. It can bring hope or despair. Romans 5, verses 2 through 5, it says, Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand, and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems. Wait a minute, what? We can rejoice? Yep. When we run into problems? Yep. And trials, yes. Why? For we know 
that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. See, even though you and I may get into arguments with people or we get frustrated or even live in a world that is hopeless or maybe with people who bring despair or they say words that hurt, may your last words communicate hope rather than despair. And may the words of Jesus bring hope rather than despair. That's his heart because here's the second thing. Last words communicate life or death. Those last words that we speak when we're grumbling with someone or we just rage and we run out of the house, those last words can bring life or death. It's up to us. It's the words that we speak that have the power to bring out potential in people or cut off potential, to add life or to bring death. Our words can do that. Those last words when you're, you just had it, up to here, you're just so frustrated and angry, you say those last words. And most of the times, we don't even mean those words. It's just inside of our hearts, and it comes out, and those are the last words we hear. When the nation of Israel was becoming a nation, and God was setting them apart from all the rest of the people, and he was saying, you are to be my special chosen people. He said, you have to choose how you're going to live you're either going to be people who bring life or you're going to be people who bring death. It's up to you. You have to choose. That's why in Deuteronomy chapter 30, the Bible tells us, and Moses was speaking this to the people, and he was leading the people, and then he passed the baton down to Joshua, another leader. But these were kind of the, the statements that they wanted to live by. And he says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you, that I have set before you life and death. Blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that, you, that both you and your descendants may live. Choose life. You know what that tells me? We have a choice of what words we will speak. We have a choice of how we will live our life. It's our choice. But, but he says, choose life. Why? So that you and your descendants may live. Not just exist. So that you may live life, that you'll, you'll find true life, not just exist, but you got to choose life. For someone to dream or to have their potential realized, they're going to have to choose life. You're going to have to go through the obstacles, go through the dark times, and still have the hope that doesn't disappoint that you will be able to live by and say, yeah, I'm going through these problems or trials, but there is hope on the other side. Why? Because God gives me these promises, and it is hopeful. It doesn't disappoint. I follow him. I'm going to go through the obstacles because on the other side is hope, and he brings hope our way. In other words, we have a choice to use words that will spawn life or cause death. For someone to dream or to cloud their hopes and bring an end to what little hope they may be hanging on to. We don't know what people are going through. The words that we speak can bring death rather than bring life. Heidi and I were flying back from San Francisco, uh, back home, and mid-flight, you know, we're 30,000 feet up in the air. 
And this one man gets up and he wants to get something from his bag. And so he gets up and he, you know, he brings down where the bags are on the top compartment. And his bag is actually underneath someone else's. And he didn't realize that. So he's looking for his bag. And the man who owns the bag on the top is standing like uh, just kind of on the side stretching out, I guess. So he's just standing there. He's watching all of this. He's looking at the man. And uh, he sees the man moving his bag. And he doesn't do anything. He just kind of mumbles under his breath. And so I'm watching this. And, and so he goes, you know, that's, that's my bag. You know, me pushing my bag. Me pushing my bag. And I'm thinking, we better not have a fight like 30,000 feet in the air because I'm going to have to find that marshal and say, hey, these guys are going to fight, so you're going to have to do something. And so the guy takes out that guy's bag and then opens his bag, gets something out, and then tries to put that guy's bag back in, but it doesn't fit. And now he starts to shove it in. He's trying to push it. And the guy standing there, he, goes, he says, it's not going to fit if you do it like that. And the man that's pushing this in, no, I'm watching back and forth. And the guy says, you know, it's not going to fit. I look at that guy. He goes, why isn't it going to fit? And he goes, because you have to turn it. And he goes, I'm trying to turn it. And I'm like, wow, these guys are intense. And so he's pushing it. And now he starts hitting the guy's bag. He starts pounding it in. And the guy goes, that's not how it's going to go in. You, don't, don't, you, can't, you can't do that. You can't do that. And the guy goes, why can't I do that? Because your bag is more important than mine? I'm like, I better film this. So another guy stands up. He stands up and he says, yeah, I'll help you. So he starts helping him. Now these two guys are kind of in a rage already. And this guy goes, why are you helping me? And this man says it so simply. He says, because it's less stressful when you help someone. And it like calmed everyone down. And I was like, that's Jesus right there. I think that's Jesus. He's flying with us. And so he... He nicely, calmly does this and then pushes the compartment back in and it, the whole situation was done. It was settled. Everyone could go back to sleep and, and I looked at that and I thought, that is Jesus right there. Now that's what Jesus does. When we're in conflict, when there's, when there's a, a, a battle between life and death and, and there are words flying back and forth, Jesus comes in and he says, let me just help. Let me just help. You've got to be willing to let me help you. And Jesus comes in and he says, let me help help you. And sometimes we say, why? 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 Why do I need to follow Jesus? Why should I choose God? Why should I choose life? Well, here it is. Because it's less stressful when you let Jesus help. It's so much less stressful. See, we can either speak life or death. And the Bible says to choose life. Even Jesus knew our, our brains would go a little haywire. Even Jesus knows that we're going to be stressed out. Even Jesus knows that our, our minds are going to be clouded with distractions and, 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 and hopelessness. And that's why he says in John 15, 3, you are already clean, and here it is, because of the word which I have spoken to you. Did you know when, when we hear the words of Jesus, that when he speaks to us, in our prayers, in our devotional time, when we read the Bible, when we attend church together, when we hear his words, that we become clean because of his words. His words have the ability to clean our souls and our minds. He continues in John 6, he says, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. They are life. That's the words that Jesus speaks to us. They bring life. They bring hope. 
I wonder how many times, you know, we, we speak words that don't bring life. We, we bring death. I mean, there are only certain words that you and I will ever say only when we become parents. Only when we have a teenager. Only when we have our own children will we actually say certain phrases. And I wrote a couple of them down. I, I thought, well, there, here are some phrases that we say when we become parents. And here's one of them. And you probably can finish the sentence. Just wait till your father, you know already, right? Or just wait till your mom. <laughs> There's many phrases that can be attached to that. If you find out, wait till your mom gets home, wait till your mom gives you lickens. <laughs> or, or this one. Okay, if you don't want to share, then I'm just going to take it away. I'm just going to take it away from you. If you don't want to share, I'm just going to take it away. No one's going to have it. You don't want to play with other kids with your choice? Fine, I'll take away your toy. See, those last words we only say when we're parents. Or we, <laughs> this one is when we're just losing it. What did I just, right, tell you or say? What did I just say? Tell, tell mommy what I just said. Yeah, yeah, but no, no, no. Just tell mommy what I said. You know what we're trying to do? We're trying to make sure we're not going mentally crazy. Because just repeat what I said. I want to know because you're not doing what I said. So we kind of go crazy at that moment, but that's what happens. Or, or we give threatening words. Stay right here. I'll be right back. Those are like the scariest words you can hear as a child. Stay right here. I'll be right back. You're thinking, you're going to get the weapon. You're going to get the slipper. You're going to get the rice spoon. You know, that's what you're thinking. Heidi says it like this. You want to see Jesus? That's what she says to our children when they're growing up. You want to see Jesus? I'm like, wow, you just bypassed lickens. You just bypassed everything. You just went straight to seeing Jesus. But we say those words. We say words to our children. We say words to one another. And I think sometimes maybe the last words we hear sometimes hurtful, and we live with that, or we say words that we regret. And the Lord says, let's change that. I'm the God of change. I can bring change to your life. I can give you words that now bring life rather than death. You know what those words are. You've said them before. Here are some new words that I want to give to you so that you speak life. Because there's the last thing. Last words will either build up or tear down. That's what our words do. And it's the last words that our children hear, or that we hear, or our spouse will hear. Or your coworker, or your employee, your boss. Sometimes we're so frustrated with people, we just give them the last words and then we leave. And then we feel good about it. But those last words either are going to build up or tear down. Did you know that God has given you and I the authority to change the atmosphere by the words we speak? Because isn't it true that mom can say a thousand words but then when dad comes home, he just has to say it once. And then mom is like, well, how come you guys didn't listen to me? Oh, and daddy says it, and you guys listen. Or vice versa. Daddy says it over and over. And then mom comes home and says, go now. And then kids move, oh, okay. And then it's like, it changes the atmosphere. Our words have the ability to build up or tear down. It's really our choice. Matthew 20, verses 25 through 27. Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. He's speaking that to us. With the authority, the authority that he's given to you as a parent, as a teacher, as someone in our community, someone of influence, it will be different with you. The authority that I've given to you, it will be different. 
Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. See, Jesus said we live differently. I'm the God who never changes, but I'm the God who can bring change. And in the world, they use authority to lord it over people, but not so among you. You will be different. You're going to live different. You're going to speak differently. You're going to behave different, and you're going to use words differently because you belong to me. You represent me. You will be different. That's the God of change, and he's speaking it prophetically. He's speaking it in a way that brings life. And even when we say, yeah, but this is the way I am. This is my bloodline. Oh, no, it's just my race. It's, it's just the way I've been brought up. He says, I, yeah, I understand, but you will be different because of my spirit that dwells in you. Yeah, but you don't know the kinds of things that I've been through. I understand, but you will be different. That's the words that Jesus speaks to us. That's the hope that he brings to us. He's actually trying to bring out potential, not squash it. He's saying you will be different. He's speaking that life over us. See, some of us who have that authoritative role, we don't understand that our last words matter in every situation. They matter. Because someone who doesn't have as much authority as you or doesn't have as much influence as you in someone else's life, they can say the same words that you do, but your words will make a bigger impact to either build up or tear down. It's just that authoritative role that you have. And some of us, we don't understand that yet. We don't understand that those are the last words that those people will remember. That's how much power your words have in various situations. And here's what actually happens. We have the adversary called the devil, whom the Bible says prowls around like a roaring lion looking for people to devour. He's like just waiting. He's very patient. He'll wait and he'll listen to the key words that you and I speak. And then he'll watch the situation and he'll say, okay, you just spoke those words to your spouse. Wow, I see the devastation that that caused. So you know what he does? He remembers those last words that you spoke. And then he'll use it again. He'll bring it to your remembrance. He'll say, remember those words you spoke to your spouse? Yeah, I remember those words. Remember how much hurt it caused him or her? Yeah, I remember that. Okay, don't use it yet. You just wait for that very last second. Use that like as your nuclear bomb. When you're losing the fight, say those words. And he'll bring it to our remembrance. He'll say, okay, remember your teenage son or your daughter? Yeah, yeah, remember that fight you got into? Yeah, remember those words you said? Yeah, they were hurting, weren't they? Yes, they were. Okay, don't say it just yet. Wait till you're losing the battle. Then you drop that bomb. He'll speak to you as a young person, as a teenager, and he'll say, okay, remember those words you spoke to your parents? Yeah, remember how they hurt? Yeah, okay, hang on to those words. And don't use them just yet. Use it when you want to hurt them the most. And he'll bring it to our remembrance. See, the devil is very crafty. And he'll hang on to our words that we speak and he'll use them as treasure for when he wants us to use them. And then he'll say, okay, here's the situation here. I want, okay, use it now. Oh, your boss is treating you like that? Okay, blackmail. Okay, use this against them. Oh, you know some dirt on some people? Okay, hold on to it. And then at the last moment, use it on them. And then after a while, without even recognizing it, we're partnering with the devil, not with God. And God says, no, the, you're done with that. I came to give you life. 
It's my spirit that, that lives in you. So now you want to speak those words? You want to? No, get rid of those words. I want to clean you. You are already clean because of the words I have spoken to you. You speak what I speak. You speak from the heart that I have, not the heart that you have. You speak from my heart because my heart is the heart that you want to have because you will be different. You're not going to be the same like everyone else. For this reason, 2 Corinthians 13.10 says, even Paul caught this heart, I am writing these things while absent so that when present, I need not use severity in accordance with the authority which the Lord gave me for what? Building up and not for tearing down. Jesus says, here are the words that I'm going to give to you. They're for building up and not tearing down. So before you say those words, think to yourself, are these going to build up or tear down? Because this is what Jesus does. He says, just like how the devil keeps these words, I do the same thing. Whatsoever things are pure, excellent, worthy of praise, dwell on these things. So you keep dwelling on these things so that when your son or daughter messes up, hey, that's okay, son, daughter, it's okay. Get back on your feet. We can do this together. When your spouse says something or your, your, your loved ones say something or, or maybe your coworkers, they say something and you hear it and it's kind of piercing, you just stop and you think, yeah, they're going through hurt. They're going through something. And so now your words can bring life. Your words can build up. Maybe you can take them on the side and say, hey, sorry about yesterday, man. We we're kind of going back and forth. I, I, didn't, I didn't mean to say what I said. And forgive me. You know who said that? You know who said forgive Jesus said that on the cross. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And I think that's the heart Jesus wants us to have when people do things towards us. Father, I forgive them. Why? Because they don't know what they're doing. I forgive them. Why? Because they're not in the right state of mind right now. They're going through stuff. Father, forgive them. Or we can even turn that around. Father, forgive me. I don't know what I'm doing. I need your help. Father, forgive me for the words that I spoke to my son or daughter. Or just go to them and say, forgive me. Forgive me, I was wrong. Hard words, I was wrong. But Jesus wants to bring out that potential because you have the authority to speak words that bring life. God gave that authority to you and I. When I was in the seventh grade, we were invited to a, uh, a camp. And this camp cost a lot of money. It was, it was a lot for us. You know, my mom was a single mom and with her four children, and uh, being on welfare, we didn't have much money. So when this uh, camp came up and uh, I brought home the, the permission form, my mom said, there's no way we can pay for this. I said, come on, mom. It's, it's a camp. They're going to they're gonna do a lot of fun things. And she says, we just can't afford it. And so I went back to my teacher. His name was Mr. Lau. He was a Hawaiian teacher. And I said, Mr. Lau, I, we can't, I, I, I can't go. He goes, what do you mean you cannot go? I said, I, I can't. We can't afford it. And he says, how much can you afford? I said, well, I don't know. You know, I, I got to ask my mom. So I went home. I said, mom, the teacher said, how much can we afford? She goes, what do you mean? We can't afford anything. I said, what about anything, mom? Half. She goes, no, we can't pay half. So I went back to the teacher. I said, I, to the teacher, I said, Mr. Lau, we can't pay even half. We can't pay anything. And he said, what do you mean you cannot pay anything? I said, we don't have the finances. He says, go ask your mom if you can pay at least $5, just $5. So I went back home. I said, mom, five bucks. They said just $5. Now, if you're financially strapped like how we were, you understand you can't even pay $5. 
Yeah, my mom was buying candy and newspapers, but that was beside the issue. I said, Mom, he said, only $5, just $5. And she said, Sheldon, I don't have $5. And so I went back to my teacher and I said, Mr. Lau, we, don't, we can't even afford $5. Thank you so much for you know, trying to push me, but we don't have. And he said, okay. The next day I come back to school and he, he says, Go tell your mom, fill out this permission form. And I said, I told you, we can't afford anything. And he said this. He slid the form to me, and I'm sitting on the desk. And he's standing over me, and he says, we are paying for you. So you're going to go. And I said, really, you're going to pay for me? And he says, yes. And he said these words, because you're a leader. And so you're going and I thought, I'm a leader. I, what do I lead? I mean, we play Chase Master, and they f- try to find me. That's, that's the most leadership I have. And playing, you know, follow the leader, that's all I do. And we play dodgeball outside, and I lead a group like that. But I don't, what do you mean, a leader? And I didn't understand what he meant. But he did. He understood. He could see something. And that's what Jesus says to us. He sees our potential. He sees who we are. And so he speaks to us. And some of us, we say, no, I can't, I can't, there's no way. I'm unworthy. I'm unworthy to be a part of the the, the kingdom of God. I'm unworthy to serve. There's no way possible that God would accept me. There's no way possible that he would love me. And it's like Jesus says, enough, you're a leader. So you're going. But I don't have it in me, Lord. I don't don't have enough. I I don't have what it takes I can't forgive. I can't release. I can't let go. I can't do this. I can't get better. I can't change. And he says, yes, you can because I paid for you to go. It's been done. It's finished. And he speaks life to us. That's the hope that Jesus came to bring. John 14, verse 25. I want us to read this together. And this is Jesus speaking. And I want us to read this as him speaking to you and him speaking to me. John 14, verse 25 and 26. Let's, let's read this together. Ready? Go. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Listen very carefully. There are things that Jesus has said to you and I that we never could remember. Even while we were still in our mother's womb, people spoke life over us. Even while we were in kindergarten, first grade, second grade, fifth grade, seventh grade, 10th grade, in college, a young adult, in our 30s, 40s, and 50s, God spoke to us, but we don't remember. But now he gives us the Holy Spirit to bring back to remembrance every single thing he spoke to you and I. That's the power of words. That's the power of his words. On the night that Jesus was to be betrayed and he was, he was going to be arrested and falsely accused, it was the night that he spent with his disciples in the upper room. And he brought them together. And he, he was sitting with them and he was speaking some last words to them. And he said to them, he said, you know, 
as often as you do this, remember me. And there was some bread there and, and some, some wine. And he said, take this bread. And he broke the bread. And he says, this is my body, which has been broken for you. He says, I'm going to pay a high price so that you don't have to, so that you can live the life that I promised you. I'm going to, my body is going to be broken for you. Don't forget that. And then he took the cup after supper and he said, this cup is the new covenant written in my blood. As often as you drink this, do this in remembrance of me. You know what Jesus was bringing? He was bringing hope back to hopeless people. And he said, don't you ever forget this. That I'm bringing you hope. And he brought the cup and he had the bread. And he looked at his disciples and he could see fear in their eyes. He could see hopelessness. Like, where, where are you going, Lord? What's going to happen? And all Jesus said was, just do this in remembrance of me. Because we tend to forget the words that Jesus speaks to us. The ushers are going to pass out some juice and bread in just a moment. We're going to pray together. And we're going to receive communion together. For some of you, communion may not mean something because you don't know Jesus Christ. But he's the hope of the world. And he came to bring hope. And for some of us, before we receive communion, the Bible says, when you know Jesus, examine your heart. Even when you don't know Jesus, examine yourself. Because there are some things that are happening on the inside that only Jesus knows right now. And he says, I want to do something great right now. I'm going to do something grand in your life right now because I'm the God of change and I want to bring change for the better. I want to bring you hope where there's hopelessness. I want you to know that I can breathe life into you rather than the death you've been living. I want to build you up, not tear you down. And he wants to speak some words. So if you bow your heads with me and, and pray together, we'll have that opportunity. Lord, I pray right now that we all would examine ourselves, examine our hearts and our motives, even the situations that we are in right now. Lord, I pray for those who have never received you as Lord and Savior, that right now, in their hearts, they feel a stirring. They feel that pull that's leaning towards you. I pray right now in the name of Jesus that they would center their focus on you. That they would feel comfortable in your presence right now. And maybe you're here today because Jesus wants to speak these words to you. That he loves you. And he wants to spend eternity with you because you're that valuable to him. And he's just asking you to say yes to his invitation of being in a relationship with him. And if that's you this morning and you're saying, I want to give Jesus my heart. You've never done that before. I want to pray with you. If you just lift a hand, I'll pray with you. And you're saying, I want to give Jesus my heart this morning. You can just lift a hand. Just go ahead and say, I want to give Jesus my heart. I believe in him. I want, to, I want to give my heart to him. Good. Anybody else? You want to give Jesus your heart. Okay. Another one back there. God sees your hand. God bless you. You can put your hands down. Can we just say this prayer together, all of us, especially for those who are saying yes to Jesus for the first time? Let's say this prayer together. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for paying a high price for my life 
Thank you for speaking words that bring hope. Thank you for building me up and not tearing me down. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for life. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. And I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to give me eternal life. In Jesus' name I pray. We all said amen. Amen. Go ahead, ushers. You can pass out the juice and the bread. And once you take the juice and the bread, just hang on to them and then we'll receive communion together. One of the things that the Lord says is there are things that happen on the inside that nobody knows, but you are already clean because of the words that I have spoken to you. And when we receive communion today, it's one of those moments that are between you and the Lord, and although we're taking it together, you're saying, Lord, here are some things that are happening in my heart. Here are some things that you're changing in my life. I want to do well with it. I want to do well with what you're speaking to me. I want to do well with what you're doing in my life. And I think for many of us, it's a new season, and it's a hope that God brings to us. It's a hope for our families, hope for our children, and hope for those who are impacted by our authority and the life that we live. And so when we leave here today, leave here different. Be different. That's what Jesus called us to be. He said, your light's into this world. You're going to shine differently. You're going to behave differently. You're going to live differently. And that's only possible through the person of the Holy Spirit that he gives to us. He gives us the helper because we need help. We need the Lord. And you let him work those in your life. Whatever it is that he's speaking, it's going to be different and it's going to be better. You just put your trust in him and your faith in his hands and he'll work that out. Ushers are almost done and thank you, Lance. I think we have some more on this side. Okay. When Jesus was with his disciples and he, he gave that illustration of the bread being his body and the wine being his blood, what Jesus was telling us and telling his disciples was it's, it's a brand new day. Things will change. And he told them to do this in remembrance of him because he knows we tend to forget from time to time. We forget the words that he speaks to us. But for some reason, when we receive communion together, it's like it all comes back to remembrance, what Jesus did for us, the forgiveness that he has for us and the love that he has for us. And at the same time, he says, never forget that it's a new covenant. In other words, the old covenant was we do for God's acceptance on us. The new covenant is Jesus does. Jesus did. So that we could be accepted in his sight. That he accepts us exactly where we are. And he says, I love you exactly where you are. And the hope that he brings is that he's the God of change. That change will come. You don't have to force it. You just love God and love people and you see that transformation take place 
Would you take the bread together? And then he says, this is the new covenant. Listen, guys, this is a brand new day. Live different. Would you take the cup together? Let's pray, shall we? Lord, thank you again for reminding us how good you are. Thank you for showing us that you created us in your image, that you created us in such a way that that we now can rejoice and be glad in who you made us to be. So we choose today to love you and to love people. Thank you for giving us words that build us up. Help us to do the same with everyone else. We pray this in Jesus' precious name, and we all said amen.